This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, back in his co-host chair from his new home in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. I love the sound of that town. <laughs> AJ, we finally have some games to review and want to give our views about every team after the first week of games. The schedule of rivalries so far has unfolded. It's the best of it ever experienced i'm loving it. rivalry night every time my favorite teams suit up and i know you feel the same i'm i'm really enjoying the heck out of this early schedule it helps that my team's three and one too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it it's a little brutal honestly uh for for the heart rate you know you when you lose to teams uh you know like for penguins fans if we lose to a team like uh the ducks or the sharks it's it's disappointing but you're not furious about it when you lose to, you know, the Flyers and then have to squeak one past the Capitals a couple of days later, uh, it, it, it makes the blood boil a little bit. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's going to get rivalries really intensified early on. I feel the same way. Exactly. But uh, happy with the start so far. In any case, our plan for today, folks, is to give our impressions of players who have stood out or struggled for their teams in the opening week of the schedule. But before we go there, AJ, we have two sponsors on today's show for the first time in our history i think and i know you want to give our listeners here a reminder from one of them owner's box hey nhl fans owner's box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season owner's box is not dfs they are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product owner's box is a head-to-head elimination style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts social interaction and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy gm the best part about weekly fantasy sports is that there is no long-term commitment users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users 
win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways. Add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to a new level. Think you've got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com to start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. You know what? I'm going to get right into that. I've got knee deep into it. I'm going to go shoulder deep into this owner's box, uh, AJ. I really like what I see out of this, and I can't thank our uh, marketing department for introducing this concept to me, and I hope our listeners jump right in alongside. It's been a long time, AJ, since we've done the following, our 31-team look around the league, and uh, I took a look at the way this thing would would shake out. I, I always seem to get my, uh, the opportunity to talk about Toronto and Pittsburgh first. So I thought we'd give you the, the nod to take the first team, and that would be Anaheim, so that in terms of going back and forth, you will get both of those clubs. But don't worry, uh, our listeners, I will have something to say on each of those teams and maybe a few other thoughts on other teams that AJ covers. And I'm sure AJ is going to chime in on some of the stuff that I mentioned. So let's dive in, AJ, your thoughts about the Anaheim Ducks and their start so far this season. Well, you got to look no further than, uh, you know, Max Comtois with three goals in three games. It's, it's a great start to the season. Um, he's pairing up, you know, really or sliding in really well, um, you know, in a, in a third line role. And that comes alongside a guy like Sam Steele, who's also got two assists in those first three games. But, you know, if there's one other player that you really got to talk about in terms of the Anaheim Ducks, uh, it's John Gibson. One win, one loss, and one overtime, uh, you know, defeat there. That's three points out of the first three games, which I think is more than a lot of players uh, and, and fans would have expected out of the Anaheim Ducks to start the year. So a, a decent start for them. I'm not anticipating it getting uh, too much better. I think it's going to be a long year, but at least uh, off on the right foot, that's for sure. And uh, their neighbors in the same Western division, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, they're looking at a a leaderboard on their scoring list with featuring Jeff Chikrin. And it's a good thing he's off to a good start with four points in the three games that they've played because they've got some tough news to deal with early on. Oliver ekman Larson is on the sidelines, not expected to be out long-term, but he will cede uh, the power play quarterback role to Chikrin in the interim. He should be back in about a week or two, so if you're an owner of him, don't uh, dump him just yet. He's too important to your team in all likelihood, but should be back to uh, vie for the power play quarterback situation alongside Chikrin. But Chikrin looks to be to be positioned for a breakout campaign along that defensive front. He will get top pairing minutes with Alex Galagoski for now, and that's a great place to be in for him. Uh, uh, moving up in, in rank, probably, in terms of the order of operations here is Jordan Osterley and Nicholas Schomerson will hold down that second pairing, and Kyle Capobianco moves into the fold as long as uh, Ekman Larson is out of the lineup. I love their goal, net mining situation. Two guys that have been around the league for a while. Uh, the goaltending is a good hands here with Kemper and Ranta. Kemper will get the lion's share of the work, and he's got two of the three starts so far. It's, all hands are on deck and healthy, and your old pal Phil Kessel's off and running, AJ, with three goals so far. Clayton Keller, another guy that I really like. He's in the mold of, of a Zach Hyman. 
or uh, Brendan Gallagher. That's the kind of player that I see this guy as a feisty guy, but also has a nose for the net. He's got three points so far. Connor Garland, uh, Clayton Keller is another guy that's in the mix here with three points as well. Uh, Ekman Larson, I told you how important he was to this club. He got three assists in the first two games he played. So he's going to be productive, I think, behind an offense that really seems to be coming together. That top six starting to look like... uh, a good solid two forward lines that they can choose from and uh, maybe even the third line is credible with the pairing of Derek Broussard uh, and De- Tyler Pitlick on that third line alongside Clayton Keller so uh, all told a uh, good start for the Coyotes and uh, things are in place except for that defenseman situation with Larson. That is a huge hit not having uh, Oliver Ekman Larson a, a week-to-week designation for him and, you know, the hits keep on coming for the Boston Bruins as well. Andre Kasha was placed on IR. So that means at least, uh, you know, at least seven days there for the, the IR. And that's complicating things on a right wing spot that's already um, kind of jumbled around. You know, they've got, uh, they've got David Pasternak is still out. They've tried Jack Studenica up there. There's talk about Craig Smith playing on that first line right wing. Right now, they've got Jake DeBrus there. So really um, something important to watch out for in terms of, you know, both season long and DFS is who's playing with Bergeron and Marchant. And uh, right now, that's really questionable as far as that goes. Defensively, uh, they've also got a potential injury to uh, Matt Grzelczyk. Uh, he left Monday's game with no real update. So we'll have to wait and see on him. Uh, but in terms of those top guys, Marchant, one goal, two assists, Bergeron, one goal, one assist through three games. So decent production for them. I will note that, uh, uh, you know, they've combined for three power play points. So the five on five numbers maybe aren't as good as you would want, but who cares when this team is going to produce uh, at solid levels with the man advantage. Yeah, but you've implied that there are a little dense in the armor here with the Bruins. It's not uh, the Bruins that we've been used to for the last six or seven years, at least in the early going, AJ. I see some concerns. Prosternak won't be ready to play, it looks like, until the first week of February, and uh, they'll need him as soon as they can because Studnika is a placeholder. Craig Smith was brought in as insurance, but neither one of them. You can put both these guys on this on the ice at the same time. I don't think they'd be as productive as Pasternak. And then the the hit on defense with Matt Grizzlick is is something they could ill afford with the losses of of Chara and uh, the guy in St. Louis. What's his name? AJ, help me. Corey Krug. Corey Krug. Tory Krug. Thank you. He uh, that's two big hits uh, from their blue line depth that are gone missing. And Grizzlick is a third one, so really can't afford any any more losses on the back end here. They've played some low-scoring games, as you suggested there, five-on-five game, not where they want it to be, and it won't be until they get that order restored up front. The Buffalo Sabres, they got to be pleased with their last game. They blew out the Flyers, something that maybe they should send the film of that game to your friends in Pittsburgh, AJ, because <laughs> the, the, the Sabres laid waste to the, uh, to, the, to the Flyers, driving Carter Hart right out of the game early on with a four spot against him in the first period. J- Jack Eichel leading that parade, and, and he's parlayed uh, that game into a strong start for him. Six assists. Yet to bulge the twine himself to lead the scoring parade there. Taylor Hall making the case for everybody to, uh, to keep an eye on him. He's only on a one-year contract, folks, and if he produces at this rate, there's going to be a lot of suitors coming around next year. Six points for him in the first three games played. I think he likes playing alongside Eichel, and we knew that he would. And the guy that is filling out that line uh, at the moment is Sam Reinhardt, another offensive catalyst with three points. So their big guns are firing 
but it's worth noting that Jeff Skinner is on the fourth line still, and that's an expensive fourth liner, folks, the most expensive in the NHL. No points to show for his record so far, averaging only 15 minutes of ice time, and uh, the Sabres have to look at him with a spocky and I, I'll say, and uh, it's only made worse by the fact that their depth chart is hindered by the losses of Gergensen's and Ocpozo. Er, Gergensen's uh, out for the entire se- season. Ocpozo, uh, it's not sure how long he's going to be out, and in the nets, there's an issue with Linus Ulmark. His head just doesn't seem to be right in terms of the start starting of the season. Carter Hutton is shouldering the load here and being the good soldier, and that's put, pushing Linus Ulmark's playing time down, I think, if it continues. Uh, they're going to lean on Hutton, and Ulmark uh, might be just sulking in the background. So that's a tough situation for uh, owners of, of uh, that netminder in Buffalo. Well, look, we told you during the preview that Jonas Johansson could get uh, some games. I said that off the top. So a a situation to watch in terms of what happens with Olmark and whether Hutton uh, takes the the bulk of the load. Look, if Olmark isn't going to play right now, it's a personal reason for being away from the club. If Hutton's struggling, why not put Johansson in at this point? So, And you mentioned Jeff Skinner. I think the important thing to look at, though, I get the fourth-line role is concerning, but – uh, he's logging pretty decent minutes on, on the power play. You look at the second game against Washington, almost three uh, and a half minutes with the man advantage there. So while his five on five minutes aren't there, they're still using him on the power play. I will jump over uh, to his former club, the Carolina Hurricanes. They've got some guys really producing here as well. And it starts with uh, uh, Andre Svechnikov, five points in three games, tearing it up. And another thing we mentioned uh, early on in the show is we wanted to see what Vinny Trocek would look like in a full year uh, with the, the hurricanes here. And so far, so good. Two goals, one assist along that stretch. You know, it's funny to think is Sebastian Ajo uh, having a, a, a bad start to the year with just three points in three games when you compare it to his, his cohorts there. But I really don't think so. Uh, you know, he'll, I think, eventually maybe surpass uh, some of those guys in terms of production. But right now, that second line is where it's at. Sveshnikov, Trocek. And for me, in terms of DFS, I don't even care who's uh, on the right wing. I'll probably use that guy. It's Martin Neckash right now, um, but somebody else to, to consider uh, there. And, AJ, we got to note that Jordan Stahl is out of the lineup dealing with COVID concerns. We're going to see a lot of this during the course of the season, I think, at least in the early going until the vaccine gets shared uh, around the league. We expect it to be. But that's a tough loss for this team. He figured to be in, in the third-line slot uh, in a checking role, and that assignment goes against the other team's top players. So very important that they get that in order and uh, his health restored because he means so much to the team in terms of the overall defensive structure when he's on the ice. And a leadership role that he plays for this team is also significant. So a tough loss for the Canes. Up next, we go to the North Division, the Scotiabank North Division, as they call it, the sponsorships. AJ, I'll not get used to that. We won't have long to deal with it. It's only a (laughs) one-year thing anyway. But uh, in any case, that's one of the five major banks that I didn't work with in, in in my previous career, I did work with most of the others. So a little plug there for the banking industry north of the border. In the Calgary Flames situation, look, we know the partnership of 
Kachuk and Elias Lindholm is something that uh, that fantasy owners wanted to keep an eye on. But who's going to play on the right side? Well, it was Dylan Dubé uh, at the start of the season, but he's listed as day-to-day, so that situation could be in flux and probably will be updated in the next 24 hours by our crack staff, including A.J. Schultz at the home office in Wisconsin, A.J. So maybe you have a comment on that. But it's the right wings here that are, that are in flux for these this team. The second line features Gaudreau and Monaghan, and on the right side there they have Josh Levo, a guy that had a cup of coffee in Toronto, but really had a bit of a breakout in Vancouver and parlayed it into a contract extension with Calgary this offseason. So it's the right side for me that's the positions to watch here. In terms of the early going, this is one team that's flourishing with a 2-0-1 start to keep up with a couple of Eastern rivals in Canada. Uh, they're carrying the flag for Western Canada so far. And Tachuk is the guy that everybody's keeping their eye on. Three points in three games so far. Lindholm with four points. Gaudreau with four points. So the, the big shooters are are delivering the goods they're hoping for some of the secondary scoring to come through and uh, that means the likes of Mikhail Backlund he has a couple of points in two games Dubé for his part two points in in two games and the veteran on defense Mark Giordano not missing his old partner TJ Brody quite so much he's got two points in three games although he has a minus one still logging over 21 minutes of play so if you thought that that the gray beard on the Calgary blue line was going to slow down the early indications are that he's not aging I think it's surprising uh, how quickly Dominic Simone was dropped from the top line. You know, he was uh, slated in that spot for uh, during training camp. And, and I expected him to kind of hang out there for, for at least a little bit. But they quickly pivoted from there. Uh, I'll jump over uh, back south of the border now and talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they're getting hopefully some good news right around the corner. Carl Soderberg uh, is quarantined as of January 12th was when he had entered uh, his mandatory seven-day quarantine. So you do the math on that. Today is the 19th. So he should be back with the team today or tomorrow and possibly playing games as early as the 22nd. And that's a big boon for this club when you consider they're already without Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc, both on uh, long-term IR that has meant that Pius Sutter, the youngster, has uh, gotten an opportunity to play the first-line role, picked up an assist in his most recent game on Sunday against the Panthers, and that could be a sign of things to come with him. Outside of him, the production has come you know, primarily from uh, Alex Brinkat, two goals and one assist, and Patrick Kane, one goal and one assist. I think what's most interesting to continue watching is the goaltender situation here in Chicago. Colin D'Elia currently has played two games. Malcolm Subban won, uh, but nobody has won a game there. Uh, they're both actually sporting 0.848 save percentages and goals against averages north of five. So really not a lot to like in terms of the net mining here. I would guess these guys continue to split unless somebody can show something uh, and don't be surprised, you know, maybe if Kevin Lakenin gets an opportunity here. Without trying to anger Hawks fans, I got to say this. The, the Chicago fans must be in the same quandary as about 20 major league teams after the first week of the season. Folks, your team is not going to make the playoffs. That's the blunt edge of the sword here. And uh, sad to say, it's a development year for Chicago. I feel the sorriest for the likes of Patrick Kane, but he's going to be a wash in millions of dollars with his salary for years to come. So don't feel too, too bad. There aren't going to be any telethons for him in in the foreseeable future. And uh, the same could apply to Duncan Keith. These are veterans who are, whose job now is to teach the youngsters and carry the flag for the next wave of Chicago clubs. 
and uh, it won't be long before that's that team gets things right at AJ I think so with uh, no further ado we'll, we'll switch over to the Columbus Blue Jackets and it falls to me to talk about this club Miko Koivu uh, is out of the lineup they brought him in to solidify the, the center ranks but uh, it's in good hands with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Max Domi although Dubois is is really making noises off the ice for his desire to want to leave the club AJ he wants uh, out and and people are wondering why but I have a a hunch that it has to do with the non-relationship that he has with coach Tortorella. They they had a very public display of acrimony between them during a game that I saw uh, last year, and I'm sure it was well publicized enough that you caught wind of it too. They don't get along, and, and they're trying to smooth things over, but Pierre-Luc Dubois has expressed his desire to want to be traded, and in the meantime, he's uh, trying to hold up his end of the bargain. He's got one goal to show, but a minus two so far. Uh, this guy's a young guy who will look good in anybody's top six. It just doesn't appear that it'll be Columbus's uh, thing uh, much longer, but uh, I think the sooner they get rid of him, the sooner they can turn things around and really focus on their season at hand. Uh, they don't want it to go down the dumper just because they have this this business going on, and I think it's dominating the landscape of the club. Uh, AJ, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's also interesting that Max Dome doesn't have uh, any points as well, and he was benched um, for the end of that first game. Uh, I, I honestly, I think the NHL's version of hard knocks should just be, uh, you know, following John Tortorella and whoever he's, you know, interacting with. And uh, you know, he said that they uh, asked if they talked about it anymore, and he replied just like no. Right. And that was it. There was no room for more questions from the reporters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, I honestly thought the Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, trade rumors would go away uh, as soon as he signed that contract. I thought maybe it was a, a bargaining chip, right? Like, okay, well, if you're not going to give me my RFA deal that, that I want, uh, then I want out. But they have persisted and they had lingered on. Uh, and I think that's a concern for, uh, for Columbus fans. Uh, I'll, I'll take us uh, to the Mile High City next, and we'll talk about the Colorado Avalanche here. Uh, only two games for them, so playing a, a lighter uh, schedule at the start of the season, but that hasn't stopped their stars uh, in Nathan McKinnon picking up a goal and two assists. Uh, two of those points coming, uh, including the goal, coming on the man advantage. Interestingly, Andre Burakovsky started out on the top line uh, to spread things out. They decided to ditch that after the first game, but he still has managed two goals and one assist for his part. So solid numbers there. I think if there's a maybe quote unquote surprise player, although he wouldn't be that surprising if you've listened to our show for any length of time is Samuel Garrard with three assists through the first two games. He's right there with Kale McCarr who also has three assists. So keep an eye on Garrard. If he's uh, available in one of your leagues, he's definitely worth picking up. And I think a good option in DFS as well. Eventually here, I think we'll see, uh, Pablo Francis, but right now it's been all Philip Grubauer through the first two games. And AJ, I want to talk about the Dallas Stars, but they haven't played any games yet this season, so <laughs> we're going to just have to forecast their lineup for our listeners, reminding you that they have a lot of talent up front, and the top six has really taken shape over the last couple of years with a real tool on the fly. Jamie Benn and Alex Radiloff are, and Cy- Tyler Sagan are guy, names that you'd recognize. Tyler Sagan is on the IR right now, but I like what they've done to add Dennis Gurionov and Rupe Hintz to the mix in the last couple of of years and look for them to be a continuing part of the development of, of uh, the Dallas offense. It's 
built a, the whole club has been built around a defensive structure that is more publicized, and uh, the beneficiaries there uh, were Alec, Anton Kudobin and Ben Bishop in the past. We also highlighted in our season preview that Bishop is dealing with injury situation, so Jake Ottinger is, is on the roster supporting Kudobin. Kudobin has made a case for himself to be rated as one of the top backups in the NHL, but thrust into the starting role now. We'll see how he fares once the serious shooting starts for this club this week. Well, he got him into the Stanley Cup final last year with, with Bishop out. So I think they're probably feeling pretty confident that they have a, a 1B instead of a backup. Uh, over in uh, the Motor City, the Detroit Red Wings, look, I, I hate to be that guy and you know talk about tooting my own horn, but if you go back to the tape, which you can now by watching us over on YouTube, uh, I told you that Bobby Ryan might be one of the best signings of the season three goals through two games with uh, the Red Wings there Uh, he is really I think going to have a phenomenal year all those goals have come at even strength as well so uh, not reliant on on power play numbers Dylan Larkin also has two goals uh, in his first three games Bobby Ryan missed the opener Uh, obviously the question mark is in goals right now uh, I was surprised to see Thomas Grice took the first game for them and has played uh, two so far, but he's got losses in both, despite decent numbers, a .93 save percentage uh, in those two outings. Jonathan Bernier got the win in his lone appearance. So I think they'll continue to split, but I admit I was a little surprised to see Tommy Grice take the first game. Yeah, I am too, and I'm really keeping an eye on this situation because in the past, uh, when Bernier has been partnered with somebody who's really threatened his position, both in Toronto and, and last season in Detroit, he didn't fare too well when the, when the the competition was close, but when Jimmy Howard fell by the wayside last year, he took off and he flourished as much as you can in Detroit and had a very nice <laughs> year in in that rubber factory and things promised to be better for him. I like the retooling on the fly. Philip Sedina is a guy that had talked a little bit more than his skills showed on the ice in, in training camp last year, his rookie camp, but I think he's got his head on straight and it's parlayed himself into two assists in the first three games, so a positive start for him too. And keep an eye on Philip Pronick, folks. This guy is a guy I'm very high on in terms of the defensive structure of this team. He figures to be the linchpin, the power play quarterback, and they have a few dynamic forwards that he can play with, so that power play could be something that uh, surprises some teams on occasion Uh, in terms of surprising starts I think the panic button has been pressed in Edmonton though AJ their their last two games against Montreal I watched them both and they looked dreadful and I'm saying that on the eve of two games coming with them coming to Toronto watch them turn it around and blow out my Maple Leafs and make me eat those words but you have to report what's happening so far, and you had to find a, get a microscope to find where Connor McDavid was last night. That's how tough things are in, in the most recent starts. But you look at the overall, they're 1-3, and three, and certainly uh, the likes of, of Dreisaitl and McDavid, they have done their share of scoring in the earlier part of the schedule, but they were MIA. So their, their five points apiece came in the first two games. They were pretty much blanked in the last two, and that's not a good sign. A good sign for them, though, is Kyler Yamamoto emerging as a viable DFS play. Uh, he's going to play top six minutes here with the big boys, and probably his, his price point is still going to be considerably lower, so watch out for him. Tyson Berry doing what Tyson Berry did in Toronto last year, AJ. Two points in four games 
you know, you, they expect a better better rate of production than that on the season, particularly with the stars that he gets to play with here. The special teams has been a mess, uh, despite the fact this team should have been one of the top power plays right out of the shoot. They were last year, and uh, for his part on even strength, he's a minus three. So uh, I could have warned them that this is the guy that I thought that they were getting, and so far I'm, I'm right on the money. The concerning thing about, about Connor McDavid right now is that power play. You look at his first four games, at least five minutes of power play ice time in each game, including their game last night, eight minutes and 35 seconds with the man advantage. Nothing to show for it, but perhaps most concerning, one shot on goal. One shot on goal. Connor McDavid in a full game playing 21 minutes uh, total, almost 22 eight and a half of power play time. That that's a concern uh, as far, as far as I'm uh, considering it. Look, uh, we'll go from, you know, way North of the border all the way down South and talk about the Florida Panthers next one game uh, for us to talk about here. So not a real uh, deep sis, uh, system. I think it's kind of interesting. Chris Dreger got the start over Samuel Mountainbaum with Sergey Bobrovsky unavailable. But at this point, I expect Bob will be in uh, in net for their next contest. Uh, offensively, you got to look at Jonathan Huberto, a goal and two assists in that game. And then uh, one that I'm probably going to botch here, but I'm going to do my best. Itu uh, Lustarinen, uh, the youngster. <laughs> <laughs> one goal, one assist uh, in that game as well. And then Patrick Hornquist, their, their acquisition from the Penguins in, in that big trade a goal and an assist in that game as well. Look, it's, it's a good start to the year. Uh, there's still a lot to go uh, in terms of, of how they're going to look, but I, I think it's a positive indicator, but a lot, everything with this team as always will depend on what the $10 million man, Sergei Bobrovsky does once he's back in the lineup. And I'll go on record as saying I don't have any faith in him, and they would be well advised to go look for the other two goalies to buy for more playing time if he struggles at all. They can't wait on that. So pressure on him right out of the shoot uh, is the focal point for me. The LA Kings, they're rebuilding, uh, retooling uh, in a big way, and still they rely on their veteran Jeff Carter is one of them, and uh, Anze Kopitar is another one. They're two of the top three scorers out of the shoot. Four points for Carter, two for Kopitar. But I'm keeping an eye on Andreas Athanasiu. This guy was looking for a place to play well into the offseason and on the eve of the NHL season. He finally agreed to a deal in L.A. And I think it's a great place for him to get some ice time and really showcase the offensive side of his game. And to that end, he's got two, two goals to show in the two games that he's played as well. But they need some production from uh, Alex Iafalo. He had a breakout campaign last year. He's got one assist in two games played, playing a lot, though, 21 minutes, uh, 22 minutes almost, uh, averaging uh, on a per-game basis. They have had two overtime games to start the season, so perhaps that pads the numbers a little bit. The workhorse in goal, again, figures to be Jonathan Quick. Uh, He's going to be the guy who is going to be filing for non-support before the season is out, I think, AJ, facing 79 shots in two games played. That's almost... 40 shots per game and that's too much for any goalie to face they got to get things in order on the defensive side of the puck and uh, I wonder how Drew Doughty thinks about recommitting to this team long term it could be toiling in anonymity for one of the NHL's best defensemen absolutely it's going to be I agree it's going to be a tough time for him Uh, one group of guys not having a, a tough time early on is the Minnesota Wild they're getting production out of their youngster 
Kirill Kaprasov. I think what's interesting here is when you came into the season, look, the big names that we talked about, potential Calder guys were no doubt Alexis Lafreniere, Tim Stutzley maybe, but it's Kaprasov who currently leads the rookies with uh, four points through three games. Uh, A couple other names on there that I'll talk about a little later on, but he's the head of the pack right now. And all of it is coming five on five. So if they add him to the power play at any point, um, it could be a a quick uh, decision maker on the Calder trophy right now. In addition, the other kind of uh, big, you know, big news there is that it's been all Cam Talbot at this point through the first three games. He's two and one uh, 0.926 save percentage, 2.27 goals against average. This is looking like the Cam Talbot um, from a couple of years ago that played, you know, 40 some games uh, for Edmonton. If he can hold on to that, it might be that the, uh, you know, heir apparent Capo Kakinen has to wait a little bit longer to take over for the Minnesota Wild. And I get to talk about the Montreal Canadiens, huh? Nice. <laughs> I should have looked at that. I would have traded one team to you. The, the Habs are off to a great start, though. They swept a couple of games against the Oilers on as they continue an early season road trip that's going very, very well for them so far. Uh, two wins and an overtime uh, loss to the Maple Leafs uh, are the re- is the record uh, at the moment for the Habs. And uh, they're led by familiar faces up front in terms of Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber. You'll notice that's two defensemen near the top of their scoring with five and three points respectively. The surprise contributor for me is Jonathan Drouin with a, uh, three assists to show for his first three games played, looking a little more engaged than he has in the past. But uh, the brightest light of all, Nick Suzuki for me. And I wonder if our pal, I'm going to take a couple of shots at our pal, Daniel <laughs> Negrano here, because he must rue this trade that sent Nick Suzuki packing from Las Vegas in exchange for Max Pacioretty. And Thomas Tatar also went along. So that's six points to show for, for the ex-Vegas Knights here. And meanwhile, if we go down the list here in terms of the production of Montreal's Offensive pieces. One Jesperi Kotkaniemi, scoreless in three games played. Third overall draft pick, AJ. I think they were expecting more from him than he's shown offensively. And our buddy is saying, oh, but he's a two-way player. Well, one play, one way is missing so far, and I'll leave it to, at that. A handoff to you and uh, a <laughs> nod also before I let you have it, that Jake Allen produced his first dividend with a victory last night in Edmonton, looking very, very good and turning aside 26 of 27 shots. Well, I'm going to let you uh, plant your flag in the uh, Ferry Cotton Yummy uh, Hill, and I'll just dive on over to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, it's been, you know, all the all the youngsters so far, uh, which is exactly what you want to see uh, if you're a Devils fan. Jack Hughes, three assists through two games. Miles Wood, two goals. Uh, their defenseman, Ty Smith, one goal and one assist. Uh, clearly, the jump has not bothered him. And Igor Sharankovich. Uh, one goal as well through those first two games. I guess if there's a concerning thing, it's that some of the old guard isn't really doing much. Kyle Palmieri, just one assist. Pavel Zaka is pointless. Travis Zajac is pointless. So uh, I guess if, if there's, there's good and bad, you know, you, um, but it's, it's going to be a tough slog for them in the East, no matter what. So I, I still don't think uh, the early returns uh, make them a playoff team at this point by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there's there's positivity in the air, I think, in, in New Jersey. Or at least there should be. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Slowly they turn as they face a real uphill climb. I, 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 they're in tough in that division, AJ. One team that figured to be a, a playoff contender, though, in the Central Division is the Nashville Predators, and they're off to a good start so far. They uh, have a 2-1-0 and record in the early going, and they have to be heartened by the fact that top scorers have already hit the ice running. That means Arvidsson, Forsberg and even Luke Coonan between them has combined for eight points so far. Dante Fabro figured to be a factor among the defensive structure here, which is, I think, still the strength of this team. He's a plus two with two assists, so looking good so far there. Then And the rest of the guys are old hands that they're tried and true on the blue line. So I like that makeup. And we already highlighted this, but I'll remind our listeners that the Seattle draft is coming up a year from now. And you're going to look at this team and say, this is one of a few that's going to protect four defensemen overall. And uh, the happiest guy about all that has to be UC Saros in behind them. He figures to have a, an uptick in playing time and his numbers should be good on the regular season. And he's off to a, a decent start so far in two games played a 1.50 goals against. 95.9 save percentage. Pekka Rene's taken a backseat to him after a tough early start in terms of turning aside only 23 of 26 shots and taking the loss in their other game. Well, Islanders fans are, are obviously maybe a little bit disappointed in the debut for Ilya Sorokin. Uh, gave up a, a, a pretty poor outing, all things considered. Five goals on 32 shots. Uh, in that one game. And I think what that means is it's going to take a little bit more time uh, for him to fully adjust, um, which should have been expected. I don't know why uh, there was talk that, you know, he was going to be the next greatest thing and hit the ground running without any hiccups, any problems. Uh, Simeon Varlamov for his part has two wins uh, and hasn't given up a goal yet. So that's a pretty strong start to the year for him. Uh, 51 saves and 51 attempts. And so, uh, I would guess he's going to still uh, command the bulk of the workload here. But I think Sorokin will see plenty of opportunities. Look, I, I know you have to play for now and play for this season, um, but they need to develop this guy. They can't just have Varlamov taking, you know, 40-some games played or, or something this year, um, or even 30 would be a lot in the condensed schedule here. So Sorokin will still get his opportunities. But I think if you drafted him, thinking he was going to be the number one guy for them, you're probably not feeling great about that choice right now at, uh, at this point. And, and the next club up is the New York Rangers. They split two games so far, so some good and some bad in the early going. The uh, positive thing is Alexander Georgiev pitched a shutout in his start, and uh, that goaltending thing is going to probably be a, a deal like win and you're in. Uh, because I think there's not much to choose between him and Shesterkin, in my opinion, two youngsters who will who will share the load for the foreseeable future in New York. And it's in capable hands, folks. These both, these guys are both highly regarded netminders and uh, should give them no concerns in the nets. And uh, that, that bodes well for the rest of the club, really. Their defensive structure comes from the net out. And they've got some interesting an interesting mix on the blue line so far. But I think they have to be really concerned with that. Anthony D'Angelo. The news is not good on on him so far this season in terms of being engaged and and whatnot. And uh, off the ice, there's some some noise about him too. I'm I'm glad I I didn't use him in any of my fantasy drafts. Uh, I think there's some concerns around him. And that opens the door for the likes of Jacob Truba and Adam Fox, two offensively gifted defensemen to kind of take the role of offensive uh, power play quarterback on that team. Up front, it's familiar names like Pavel Buknevich, 
Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad doing what they're doing uh, on a regular basis uh, to lead the offense. But we're expecting big things from Capo Caco. He's already scored his first goal of the season, but I'm concerned about the, the usage of him. He's only still just barely over 11 minutes in each of the two games he played here. I think that's going to go up uh, a little bit. And Alex, Alexi Lafreniere is getting a little bit more ice time than him and uh, has yet to hit the scoreboard uh, in terms of the offense that's expected for him. So really, two youngsters that we'll keep an eye on, but uh, I guess we'll give him a mulligan for the first week of the season, AJ. Well, I did use Tony D'Angelo uh, or Anthony D'Angelo, whatever, <laughs> whatever he prefers there. Uh, I did pick him in my league, but I insulated that pick by also taking Adam Fox. And I'm feeling pretty good about that choice at this point. Um, I would expect him to see more opportunities with the first power play unit. And so he's definitely a player you're going to want to utilize. Speaking of players to consider utilizing with the Ottawa Senators, obviously Brady to Chuck probably got taken in, in most formats or at least should have one goal and two assists through the first two games for them. Nikita Zaitsev, three uh, uh, helpers through their two games, uh, starting to produce decently for them. I think the big concern here, again, similar to what I was talking about in New Jersey, you look at their top scores to Chuck, Zaitsev, Shabbat, Nick Paul, Drake Batherson, even Josh Norris with two helpers. Uh, there's a very distinctive name missing on this list, and that's Evgeny Dadnov. No points through the first two games brought in to to be a top six producer for them and it really hasn't worked out at this point so far now i'm not saying cut bait and and drop him if you've got him in your season long leagues it could just be an early hiccup um, but it's something to monitor and something to watch and i don't know that you want to hang on to him for too much longer if this slumping continues and aj i mentioned off the top that the philadelphia flyers kind of feasted on the pittsburgh penguins in the first two games they played this season they dropped the third one against buffalo in in very poor fashion so uh, really a roller coaster of emotions for flyers fans in the early going and add to that the fact that their number one center sean couturier is out for with a rib injury could keep him out of the lineup for at least a couple of weeks that's a bit of a concern but it opens the door for a recent high draft pick morgan frost to get a chance in a top six role and i'm excited to see what he can do because he scored like a demon in, in junior hockey and one of and certainly has ties to toronto because he uh, was the son of the leafs in arena pa announcer uh, before he was replaced aj and soon as frost made the grade they punted the, the in arena host and he's a friend of mine too so that hit close to home but other than that uh, it's interesting for me to see jacob voracek in a third line role here again they're they're using him to kind of stretch the roster and and get some offense going on that third unit we're also going to keep an eye on nolan patrick and he's gotten out of the shoot and fine style with a goal and one assist i'm happy to see that uh, a lot of us were waiting to see if he could return uh, some to some form of his uh, predicted uh, level of play before he encountered some physical issues that really have plagued him for the last two seasons and it looks like in the early going at least there are some positive indicators so that's that's really a good sign for them Shane Gostisbehere is out as well on the defense so that shuffles things up on the back end but they've still got a wealth of options offensive options that could run things Ivan Provorov is probably the best DFS option they have going, even if Gostas Bear is back in the lineup. He's going to get a little more work on the power play. I actually like Eric Gustafson as a, as a potential DFS option as well. Um, you know, didn't score in the last, last two games, but in that opener against Pittsburgh, had a pair of assists uh, on the power play, really a cannon 
that they're lining up up top. So he's an option for you as well. Uh, and then, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that Carter Hart had to get the hook uh, and then Brian Elliott will be starting later tonight. So um, a, a bit of a, uh, an early hiccup there, um, but that's to be expected with the limited amount of game opportunities that, that these guys got no preseason, there, short training camp. You'd expect goalies aren't always going to be completely on top of their game, but something to monitor. If, if Brian Elliott puts together a couple strong outings, maybe he can push this closer to a, uh, you know, 55, 45 split. Well, it's the time uh, for most of our listeners to tune out for the next hour because I'll start talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, the, at the start of the season, we talked about the third line being the key here. Well, if you look at it, uh, those are the guys leading the way in scoring right now. Brandon Tanev, two goals, one assist. Mark Jankowski, one goal, two assists. Jared McCann, a pair of helpers. Um, I think the, the anticipation was if the third line could produce like that and then the stars were producing better, uh, that this team would uh, rack up some wins. Um, right now, you know, the, the biggest blip is that uh, Evgeny Malkin doesn't have any points right now. Um, but if you watch that game, that last game against Washington, a bit of an eye test situation here, he was looking better towards the better second half there. And I think good things are right around the corner for him. But obviously you have to be concerned that Latang, Malkin, no points right now. Mike Matheson dealing with an injury. He's expected to be out uh, what they called longer term. So Yuso Rikola going to move in to the third pairing. Chad Ruedel continues to start over Paul's buddy, Cody Cece, the former Maple Leaf. <laughs> First reference to Maple Leaf so far in this episode, and it's, and it's Cece. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, we go over to the San Jose Sharks, and uh, the biggest news there for me is John Leonard, a six-round pick in 2018, is getting top six minutes, and he has scored a, go- uh, a, go- a couple of assists in, in the three games, post a minus three, so he's got to figure out the defensive side of the game a little bit better, I, I guess. But if you look at the rest of the scorers, it's familiar faces, uh, Hurdle, Kane, Couture, and Meyer leading the parade, and Brent Burns is showing that he hasn't forgotten about the offensive side of his game with three points so far. His running mate, in terms of top defensive scoring in the league, Eric Carlson off to a bit of a slower start with a, a one point at show in three games played. All things that I was hearing was this guy was ready to start the season uh, and in a big way, and a minus six is, is a big start, but it's in the wrong direction, AJ. So that's tough news for him. In terms of the net mining, it figures that that Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik will split assignments this year, but they're both carrying goals against averages north of four in the early going. I mean, it's small sample sizes, but the first guy to rectify that is going to get the lion's share of the net, and it could be another situation of win and you're in in San Jose. I think the the Sharks have, or I'm uh, rather, the, the Blues have a similar situation to the Sharks right now. Um, in, in terms of struggles with, with some net mining. Now, Jordan Bennington had a great season opener, um, but then gave up four goals in the second game to Colorado, was given the hook after the second, uh, second period there, was back between the nets uh, you know, last night against San Jose. But look, you can't be giving up four goals to the Sharks. I mean, if you're going to get anywhere in this West Division, it's going to have to be beating some of these teams that, that have been um, a little bit easier in the past couple of seasons. So the fact that he's given up nine goals through the first three games of the year is a bit of a concern. 
concern. Unfortunately for them, they don't have much in terms of better options and uh, with Billy Huso being the backup. Maybe they should have tried harder to keep Jay Gallon around. Um, you know, something to consider there. In terms of offensive output, you're looking at a guy like Jordan Cairo, two goals and one assist through the first three games. Oscar Sundquist has a pair of goals. And then Justin Falk with two goals from the blue line. What I'm getting at here is that there aren't goals uh, from any, uh, uh, really from any of their big guns here in terms of, uh, you know, Ky- uh, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Zach Sanford. Now, uh, they did get one from Mike Hoffman. He's only played in one game. So that's obviously an, an encouraging sign here. But uh, they're going to need to get more production specifically out of Ryan O'Reilly. One assist through three games is simply not good enough. And Tory Krug, same boat there. One assist, three games. If he's going to replace Petrangelo, they're going to need a lot more than that. Look, uh, we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning next. And this is a team that I thought would maybe suffer a little bit of the Stanley Cup hangover and had some roster concerns because they were way over the cap. And the injury to Nikita Kucherov kind of shuffled things around. But once they dropped the puck on the season, this team is... 2-0 and with a couple of very impressive wins to start the season, albeit they were against the Chicago Blackhawks, so please consider that in the evaluation. <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky receded for two wins, stopping 60 of 63 shots. He's looking sharp. And uh, offensively, the big names are leading the parade. Steven Stamkos, a guy who had a lot of injury concerns last season, had five points in those two games, so leading the scoring race here. Andre Palat and Alex Killorn are interchangeable parts for me in terms of second-line depth and maybe first-line opportunity. Right now, Palat listed as the first-line left wing and Killorn on the second unit. They both producing uh, offense. Anthony Sorelli looks to be entrenched uh, in a second-line center role, and that affords them the opportunity to play Braden Point with Steven Stamkos, a luxury for them. And another guy who was much maligned and maybe on the trading block because of his large contract to solve some of these salary cap issues, Tyler Johnson has been uh, available for one of the two games and, and looked good and picked up an assist in 15 minutes of ice time. I'm, con- I'm concerned about his ongoing usage here. They want some roster flexibility and they'll have to move him eventually, but the injury to Kucherov might have pushed all that decision-making down the road quite a, quite a bit. And uh, so we're left to consider who rounds out the scoring leadership of this club. Maybe Yanni Gord gets a look if Sorelli's offense doesn't meet, make the grade. He would be either one of these guys well-suited for a second or third line. But uh, the big news for me is Stamkos hits the ice running for, for the defending champs. If you want to talk about guys hitting the ice running, it's definitely your Toronto Maple Leafs, Paul. Their stars are doing exactly what you want them to do. Three goals, three assists for John Tavares. Three goals, three assists for Mitch Marner. Uh, Five points for Willie Nylander. Four points for Austin Matthews. Four points for Justin Hole. Oh, wait. One of these names is not like the other here. Justin Hole putting together a pretty good start to the year when, you know, personally, I would have expected to see more of that defensive production coming from the likes of Morgan Riley or, or, or TJ Brody here. But Hole holding his own, you know, it, you look at the start of the season for Freddie Anderson, not a good first two games. Let's be blunt about that. You're playing against Montreal and Ottawa. Uh, those are games that they're going to need to win down the road if, if they're going to finish on top of this Canadian division. But he bounced back with a good performance against a much more talented Winnipeg team uh, and gave up just one goal on 27 shots. So I think things are trending in the right direction. I said a couple bad games to start for most netminders. It was what you should expect. And I would imagine 
that Freddie Anderson is back on track, Paul. You know what? The overall defensive structure of this club is what's impressed me the last two games. They really gave up very few top-scoring chances in those outings. And against the Winnipeg Jets, a team that features a pretty good power play, they were pretty much uh, ineffective in five tries against the least penalty killing. And so that was the most heartening thing for me. I know this team can score, but how well they do is going to be predicated on how well they, they do against opposition offenses and keeping the puck out of their own net and it was good to see that Freddie Anderson answered the bell uh, after two poor starts he really shone last night in the victory against Winnipeg and don't forget about their backup goalie he looked really solid uh, Jack Campbell did in the victory that he had against Ottawa uh, in a game where they rested Anderson and and they haven't had a backup goalie win too many games here in Toronto for a while so Campbell a really good soldier a popular guy in the dressing room and uh, he needs to be mentioned in the early success of the club as well despite you know, only appearing in one of the games it was an important one and uh, everything else seems to be in place the Stanley Cup parade is already planned it's going to be straight up Bay Street <laughs> and I got my lawn chair ready so let's let's get on with that <laughs> <laughs> AJ, the Vancouver Canucks, not so much uh, ready for any kind of a parade. But they're really struggling with a one and three start. And the fact of the matter is, their former goalie handed them uh, a couple of those. Uh, Marchstrom looking very good for Calgary in the early going against his former club. But, uh, Vancouver really struggling. Uh, overall, the net mining situation, a bit of a gray area. Braden Holpe, uh, his goals against his three in two games, 66 saves and thir- 66 shots, that's too high. And then even worse, Thatcher Denko got shelled 80, 86 shots in his two starts. So they've really got to cut that down in Vancouver, and that really screams to what the concern is. We know the likes of Pedersen and Besser and Bo Horvat are going to score, but can they keep the puck out of their net? That's the short story here. Uh, Nate Schmidt has, has had a marker offensively, and uh, alongside Edler, that's two pretty good offensive-minded defensemen. But I said offensive-minded. You can add Quinn Hughes to the mix. Some of these guys are going to have to show some defensive acumen. Otherwise, it's going to be a long year in Vancouver. Well, I, I totally agree with, you know, expecting Elias Pettersson to score back-to-back 66-point campaigns, but he's got just one assist through the first four contests. Uh, he's one of the few guys I would have pegged to still hit the 20 goal mark, even with the abridged season. But at this point, um, that may be uh, a little bit too far away already with uh, four games uh, in hand uh, on the year. So you're talking about a team that's getting struggles throughout the lineup. Uh, the one thing I'll add is, you know, depending on on how risk averse you are or, or uh, rather uh, willing to take on risk, Maybe you use a guy like Braden Holpe or Thatcher Demko in DFS when you can bank on them seeing 35 to 40 shots. I mean, it's not all about just getting a win. Um, obviously, that would help, and it always does. But, you know, if they're facing high shot totals, it might be worth it to take them if they're, you know, only going to give up two, uh, two to three goals even in a losing effort with that amount of rubber. Um, one team that's not having any problems with the net mining is the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard, Marc-Andre Fleury, both putting together strong performances. They've got three wins uh, in their three games. Leonard, uh, 0.926 save percentage is actually uh, behind Marc-Andre Fleury's 0.955. So I expect these guys will continue to thrive together. And look, I, I, I thought at the start of the year we would see Leonard take the bulk of the workload under Pete DeBoer. He just doesn't seem to be a Marc-Andre Fleury fan, but at this rate, 
how can you not, um, you know, get the flower into a few more games here offensively? Uh, the guys you expect are, are back on top after a, a disappointing postseason. Mark Stone, five points through three games, patches, three goals in three games. And Jonathan March Assault with a trio of points in, in three games as well. So you're getting production out of those guys. Maybe if there's a concerning point, it is the blue line. Um, Petrangelo, just one helper. Uh, and Shea Theodore, two assists in, in those three games. They're actually, you know, getting okay production out of Alec Martinez. I think two assists in three games is good for him. Look, it's all about perception, right? Two assists, three games. I'm talking about it being good for Alec Martinez, but bad for Shea Theodore and, <laughs> and you know, real bad for Alex Petrangelo. So just keep an eye on that and, and see if those guys can kind of turn it around. Um, but obviously with what they're paying Petrangelo, you expect a little bit more. And the Washington Capitals, talk about a team where the veteran leadership has already shown its face. The top five scorers on the six scorers on this club's uh, scoring leadership are guys that you would have expected to be there. Govechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, Wilson, Kuznetsov, and John Carlson on defense with two goal, two points himself. Even Jakob Vrana, two goals. So the offensive pieces are doing their part. So I start my thinking here. My concern in Washington is Ilya Samsonov figured to get the, the reins for the starting goalie situation. He's got a 336 goals against average, an 868 save percentage, albeit in only two starts. But he looks over his shoulder and sees Vitaly Vitek Vanishek, rather, with one goal against and stopping 31 of 32 shots in his game. So it's not unlike the Leafs look uh, with Jack Campbell starring in game three. So uh, it's incumbent on Samsonov to really uh, tighten things down defensively here uh, in the Nets. He would be helped if Michael Kempney was back in the fold, but he's on the injured list, and that means a little more ice time on the second pairing for Brennan Dillon and Justin Schultz. Carlson and Orloff locked in as the top pairing there. That might be one of the top pairings in this in the Eastern Conference, AJ. So really, all things considered, the, the Caps have to be pleased with their start. They're healthy, and their top guns are already filling the net. Well, you look at the Winnipeg Jets to round out the 31-team the look here, and they have some big injury concerns with Patrick Lyon missing last night's game. And he started off a fantastic first game. Two goals, one assist. Uh, including that that helper came with the man advantage, a, a really dominant performance, for lack of a better term, uh, in a winning effort there. Uh, they didn't have him against your Maple Leafs, and it certainly showed uh, the team struggled to produce, had just one goal in that game, and that left uh, Connor Hellubuck kind of uh, you know flapping in the wind a little bit there. He only gave up two goals on 37 shots. Uh, they got a late empty netter to make it a 3-1 tally but that's a 0.946 save percentage i mean what else do you expect out of your netminder uh than that high of production this team is gonna need to get some offense out of out of guys here and and they're just not if line is out of the out of the lineup shifley has just one goal nikolai ehlers and blake wheeler each just have one assist and so line being gone shuffles the deck too in terms of that that right wing spot they've got now matthew perot in the second line right wing spot. This is a guy they waved uh, at this right uh, coming out of camp so they could put him on the taxi squad. They were willing to lose him, and now he's playing top six minutes for them. 
uh, because of the Patrick Line injury, that's that's a big, big concern for this club. So that wraps up our fly around the 31 teams. We did it less than an hour, AJ. So a pat on the back for you for the great work tightening up your Pittsburgh commentary. That was, that was a big <laughs> factor. Uh, we also have another interesting sponsor to de- debut on today's pod, AJ. And I love the name of this, this company, Monkey Knife Fight. Now that your season-long fantasy hockey leagues have started, this is a great time to check out our friends at Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing site on daily fantasy fantasy the nhl and nba are in full swing and nba nfl playoffs are here the time is now to take advantage of a 100 percent instant match up to 50 dollars on your first deposit by using the promo code wire visit monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code w-i-r-e today that wraps up our look around the league aj and podcast with statsman and aj is done for another week. Rotowire Signature NHL Fantasy Ho- Hockey Podcast. Join us next week as we continue to do uh, a quick look around the league for each of you to, to know who's playing where and with whom and who's hurt. Uh, important for fantasy players of all stripes and uh, all all formats. You can, you're can reminded to follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. We invite you to stay tuned for our fantasy segment, our DFS segment, where we help you win money on FanDuel and DraftKings. Hang in there, folks. We're going to give you our best bets in just a few moments. Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ Scholz and I, Paul Bruno, the Statsman, are back with you and to give you your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's eight-game schedule. AJ, why don't you remind our listeners how they can follow us and uh, where to find us? Yeah, we're happy to engage with you on, on Twitter there. You can follow me, AJ Scholz, at AJ Scholz24. I try and make it as simple as possible there. And then you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. We're going to take a look at tonight's DFS slate. I'll let Paul kick it off with a FanDuel breakdown for you. All right. And in terms of the FanDuel makeup, I've included a couple of players on a team that I kind of put a big X through last year, AJ, and that's the Detroit Red Wings. I, You know what? I have always got time for... Uh, Dylan Larkin in a favorable matchup this year. I think he's going to emerge as one of the surprisingly cheap center options for a while. And tonight is one of those situations against the Columbus team that looks to be a little befuddled out of the gate. And Larkin has produced an average of 13.86 fan duel points per game. So for $6,800, he's going to be one of my two centers. You talked a little bit about Sebastian Ajo also not flying out of the gate to start. But I think that changes tonight. He's a first-line center, of course, for, for the Carolina Hurricanes. They got a matchup in Nashville, and he's picked up an average of 13.5 FanDuel points. I grabbed him for $7,300. He's the most expensive guy on my roster. That affords me, though, a balanced look on the wings, and I feature two guys in the winger slots. Brady Tuchuk is a guy you mentioned for Ottawa. I think he's going to have a big year, AJ, and he's going to become one of the more hated players in the North Division before too long. But he's a net front presence on the power play and already emerging as one of the team leaders here. He gets a Winnipeg team up. It's on the second of back-to-backs, and that could mean a start for Laurent Brassois in net. And that's another factor in my decision. 
The the Colorado Avalanche, they have a game in Los Angeles against a, a rebuilding uh, L.A. club, so it could be points night for them, and that's why i got to get at least one player off this team into the lineup, and that will be Gabriel Landeskog for me at $6,700, the cheapest of the three players in the first line for Colorado tonight, the way I see it. Devin Taves is a guy who's stepped up in class and joined a uh, team that's more offensive-minded and in line with his overall game, uh, also from the Columbus, uh, Colorado Avalanche. He's one of the two defensemen I pick. And when I make defensive picks, AJ, I tend to kind of punt this position a little bit, but I'm also looking for guys who will play first-pairing minutes, and both of my guys are going to fit that mold in terms of Devin Taves at $4,300 and Philip Ronick at $3,600, an absolute bargain when you consider he's the power play quarterback for the Detroit Red Wings, and he comes in at bargain basement rates uh, along with his first-line minutes. I think that's a must-play must for me, and it affords me the opportunity to spend a little bit more to grab two more first-line wingers from the rosters tonight, and uh, they're playing in the same game against one another. I'm looking at Toivo Teravainen, who's the running mate for Ajo uh, in my partnership uh, in, in that matchup and then I look across the ice and I take Victor Arvidsson who's out of the gate strong for Nashville and averaging almost 16 points a game in FanDuel play I grab them for 60 to 200 dollars and 5600 respectively and then then I jump back to the New York Rangers I said their goaltending was in capable hands I'm taking the one guy that's going to start tonight and that's Alexander Georgiev for uh, the Rangers he picked up 38.4 points in his last start and I get him for 7900 dollars against a New jersey team that's going to be challenged to score goals against anybody on a regular basis this season so that's the way i laid it out i'm going to tweet out my picks in case i was going too fast for our listeners so look for that on my twitter feed at statsman 22 i'll now hand it over to aj to see what he thinks about the DraftKings model for tonight's game well what i always like to do is you know for me I look beyond just the, the stats on the paper, and I like to look at the NHL odds in, in helping me make some of my picks. Look, the people uh, in Vegas or, or New Jersey, wherever, that are setting these odds, they know what they're doing here. The, these casinos and sportsbooks don't make money for, for nothing here. So um, one of the, you know, the Avalanche are the, the top favorites tonight at minus 245 looking at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, so I'm going to avoid that just because, uh, I think that's going to make their net miner have really high ownership. So I think that's something to consider here. Uh, so for me, I landed at the same spot as you did, Paul. Alexander Georgiev, the Rangers are minus 162 tonight. That's pretty decent odds there. Um, and so he comes in at just six, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> 7,800 on, uh, on DraftKings tonight. So a good option there. Another thing I like to look at, uh, is implied implied totals here and, and who's going to score goals. And if you look at it, uh, the couple teams here that uh, they anticipate scoring are Pittsburgh and Florida tonight. So I've got a couple guys from there. And then I also like to throw in a first line stack. So I'll dive in uh, with that information factoring in my decisions. I went with Evgeny Malkin, 6,700. You're not going to find him any cheaper uh, coming off a bit of an early slump to the season. And then I go with Mark Shifley, 6,300 for Winnipeg. I pair him with his winger, Blake Wheeler, who comes in again in what I feel is pretty cheap, especially going up against Ottawa, 5,500. Allows me to spend up for Alexander Ovechkin, 8,500 uh, in the mix. My third winger is where I look to a guy with potential first-line minutes in that Florida matchup 
where we're uh, having an implied high goal total. And so Anthony Duclair at 2,700 is a steal in my opinion there. Uh, and then I'm also going to go back to Pittsburgh, assuming he gets the first line role. He was pegged for Kasperi Kapanen to play first line minutes, 3,100 uh, to play with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. That again is a bit of a steal. I'll round it out defensively. I went with a high low here. I went John Carlson, 6,900. Um, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, your top, uh, top price guy, uh, in terms of the, the defensive look here, uh, actually second behind Roman Yossi. Uh, and I think he's certainly worth it in any contest. And so on the flip side, Gustav Forsling 2,500, I get, it's a bit of a toss away, but again, I'm going off that kind of high, uh, goal potential for Florida tonight. So again, like Paul, I'll tweet out my lineup as well to give uh, a bit more of a breakdown if, if you didn't happen to catch all that. And you know what, folks? We really hope that you listen to our, our advice. We had a great season between us last year, and uh, we wish you good luck with your picks. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. So long, everybody.